Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, July 21st. Israel is at the center stage of world events. Israel is the apple of God's eye. It is from Jerusalem, the eternal capital of Israel, that Yeshua will one day rule and reign for 1,000 years. If you want to understand prophetic end-time events and what the God of Israel is doing in these last days, we must keep our eye on Israel. Sign up for Israel on Target. We give you the top news stories coming from Israel each week, along with scriptures to pray over Israel. Each week we also include an Up Periscope special feature article. Each article does a deep dive on topics you won't find in the mainstream media, including big tech censorship and the inside scoop on the coronavirus vaccines and other hot topics. Stay informed and in the loop. To sign up for Israel on Target, up Periscope, go to dailyaudiotorah.com and sign up today. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the New Living Translation for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Vayet Kanan, and it means, And I Pleaded. Deuteronomy 5, 1-15 Moses summoned all the Israelites and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the laws and rules that I proclaim to you this day. Study them and observe them faithfully. Hashem our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our fathers that Hashem made this covenant, but with us, the living, every one of us who is here today. Face to face Hashem spoke to you on the mountain out of the fire. I stood between Hashem and you at that time to convey Hashem's words to you, for you were afraid of the fire and did not go up the mountain, saying, I, Hashem, am your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods beside me. You shall not make for yourself a sculptured image, any likeness of what is in the heavens above or on the earth below or on the waters below the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, Hashem, your God, am an 
compassionate God, visiting the guilt of the parents upon the children, upon the third and upon the fourth generations of those who reject me, but showing kindness to the thousandth generation who loves me and keeps my commandments. You shall not swear falsely by the name of Hashem your God, for Hashem will not clear one who swears falsely by his name. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as Hashem your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Shabbat of Hashem your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your ox or your donkey, or any of your cattle, or the stranger in your settlements, so that your male and female slave may rest as you do. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and Hashem your God freed you from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, Hashem your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Second Chronicles 4, 1 to 6, 11. He made a mitzbayah or altar of bronze, twenty amot long, twenty amot wide, and ten amot high. He made the sea of cast metal ten amot across from brim to brim, perfectly round. It was five amot high, and its circumference was thirty amot. Beneath were figures of oxen set all around it, of ten amot, encircling the sea. The oxen were in two rows, cast in one piece with it. It stood upon twelve oxen, three faced north, three faced west, three faced south, and three faced east, with the sea resting upon them. Their haunches were all turned inward. It was a tefak thick, and its brim was made like that of a cup like the petals of a lily. It held three thousand batim. He made ten bronze lavers for washing. He set five on the right and five on the left. They would rinse off in them the parts of the burnt offering, but the sea served the kohanim for washing. He made ten menorahs of gold as prescribed and placed them in the great hall, five on the right and five on the left. He made ten tables and placed them in the great hall, five on the right and five on the left. He made one hundred gold basins. He built the court of the Kohanim in the great court and doors of the great court. He overlaid the doors with bronze. He set the sea on the right side at the southeast corner. Huram made the pails, the shovels, and the basins. With that, Huram completed the work he had undertaken for King Solomon in the house of Hashem the two columns, the globes, and the two capitals on top of the columns, and the two pieces of network to cover the two globes of the capitals on top of the columns, the four hundred pomegranates for the two pieces of network, two rows of pomegranates for each network to cover the two globes of the capitals on top of the columns. He made the stands and the lavers upon the stands, one sea with the twelve oxen beneath it, 
the pails, the shovels, and the bowls, and all the vessels made for King Solomon for the house of Hashem by Huram his master were of burnished bronze. The king had them cast in molds dug out of the earth in the plain of the Jordan beneath, between Sukkot and Zeradah. Solomon made a very large number of vessels. The weight of the bronze used could not be reckoned. And Solomon made all the furnishings that were in the house of Hashem, the altar of gold, the tables for the bread of display, the menorahs and their lamps to burn as prescribed in front of the inner sanctuary of solid gold. And the petals, lamps, and tongs of purest gold, the snuffers, basins, ladles, and firepans of solid gold, and the entrance to the house, the doors of the innermost part of the house, the Holy of Holies, and the doors of the great hall of the house of gold. When all the work that King Solomon undertook for the house of Hashem was completed, Solomon brought the things that his father David had consecrated, the silver, the gold, and the utensils, and deposited them in the treasury of the house of Hashem. Then Solomon convoked the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes and the ancestral chiefs of the Israelites in Jerusalem to bring up the Ark Brit Hashem from the city of David, that is, Zion. All the men of Israel assembled before the king at the feast in the seventh month. When all the elders of Israel had come, the Leviim carried the Ark. They brought up the Ark and the tent of meeting and all the holy vessels that were in the tent. The Levite Kohanim brought them up. Meanwhile, King Solomon and the whole community of Israel, who had gathered to him before the ark, were sacrificing sheep and oxen in such abundance that they could not be numbered or counted. The Kohanim brought the ark, Brit Hashem, to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the Holy of Holies, beneath the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim had their wings spread out over the place of the ark, so that the cherubim covered the ark and its poles from above. The poles projected beyond the ark, and the ends of the poles were visible from the front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from the outside, and there they remain to this day. There was nothing inside the ark but the two tablets that Moses placed there at Horeb, when Hashem made a covenant with the Israelites after their departure from Egypt. When the Kohanim came out of the sanctuary, all the Kohanim present had sanctified themselves without keeping to the set divisions. All the Levite singers, Asaph, Haman, Yedetan, their sons and their brothers, dressed in fine linen, holding cymbals, harps, and lyres, were standing to the east of the altar, and with them were 120 Kohanim who blew the trumpets. The trumpeters and the singers joined in unison to praise and extol Hashem, and as the sound of the trumpets, cymbals, and other musical instruments, and the praise of Hashem, for He is good, for His steadfast love is eternal, grew louder, the house, the house of Hashem was filled with a cloud. The Kohanim could not stay and perform the service because of the cloud, for the glory of Hashem filled the house of Hashem. Then 
Solomon declared, Hashem has chosen to abide in a thick cloud. I have built for you a stately house and a place where you may dwell forever. Then, as the whole congregation of Israel stood, the king turned and blessed the whole congregation of Israel. He said, Blessed is God of Israel, who made a promise to my father David, and fulfilled it. For he said, From the time I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I never chose a city from among all the tribes of Israel to build a house where my name might abide, nor did I choose anyone to be the leader of my people Israel. But then I chose Jerusalem for my name to abide there, and I chose David to rule my people Israel. Now my father David had wanted to build a house for the name of God of Israel. But Hashem said to my father David, As for your wanting to build a house for my name, you do well to want that. However, you shall not build the house, your son, the issue of your loins. He shall build the house for my name. Now Hashem has fulfilled the promise that he made. I have succeeded my father David and have ascended the throne of Israel, as Hashem promised. I have built the house for the name of God of Israel, and there I have set the ark containing the covenant that Hashem made with the Israelites. Romans 7, 1-13 Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the Torah, don't you know that the Torah applies only while a person is living? For example, When a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now, We have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the Torah had not said you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there were no law, no Torah, sin would not have that power. At one time I lived without understanding the law, the Torah. But when I learned 
the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. But still, the law itself is holy, and its commands are holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law, the Torah, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. Psalm 17, 1-15 O Yahweh, hear my plea for justice. Listen to my cry for help. Pay attention to my prayer, for it comes from honest lips. Declare me innocent, for you see those who do right. You have tested my thoughts and examined my heart in the night. You have scrutinized me and found nothing wrong. I am determined not to sin in what I say. I have followed your commands, which keep me from following cruel and evil people. My steps have stayed on your path. I have not wavered from following you. I am praying to you because I know you will answer, O God. Bend down and listen as I pray. Show me your unfailing love in wonderful ways. By your mighty power you rescue those who seek refuge from their enemies. Guard me as you would guard your own eyes. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Protect me from wicked people who attack me, from murderous enemies who surround me. They are without pity. Listen to their boasting. They track me down and surround me, watching for the chance to throw me to the ground. They are like hungry lions eager to tear me apart, like young lions hiding in ambush. Arise, O Lord, stand against them and bring them to their knees. Rescue me from the wicked with your sword. By the power of your hand, O Yahweh, destroy those who look to this world for their reward, but satisfy the hunger of your treasured ones. May their children have plenty, leaving an inheritance for their descendants. Because I am righteous, I will see you. When I awake, I will see you face to face and be satisfied. Proverbs 19, 22 and 23 Loyalty makes a person attractive. It is better to be poor than dishonest. Fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. I want to speak to you today from our Torah portion, and then we're going to jump into Romans chapter 7. And today, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, in these verses that we looked at, it was a remembering of the Ten Commandments. And in verse 10, well, let's start with verse 9. It is written, You shall not bow down to them or serve them, the idols, 
For I, Hashem, your God, am a passionate God, visiting the guilt of the parents upon the children, upon the third and upon the fourth generations of those who reject me, but showing kindness to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, there's a couple of things I want to unpack from these two verses that I read. Have you ever noticed that sometimes in a family line, you see patterns? Perhaps that grandpa was an alcoholic, and then dad was an alcoholic, and then now your brother is an alcoholic, or your daughter is an alcoholic. Um, There's a bondage there. Or a different kind of sin bondage. It could be um, that in a certain family line, they hold a grudge. If you do wrong by them, they'll throw you under the bus and they won't talk to you. And it's like you're invisible and you've been erased. And the grandpa did that. And then the uncle did that. And the dad did that. And now the brother is doing that. And, you know, it just it's a pattern that just repeats. Or maybe the pattern in a family line can be abuse. The grandmother was abused. The mother was abused. And now the daughter is abused. And now the granddaughter is being abused. And so what this verse is talking about is that when there is sin, it can go down the generations to the third and the fourth generation. But that can be broken. The power of sin can be broken. And we've been reading about this in Romans 6 and 7, that when we identify with the death of Christ, that the power of sin, our bondage and slavery to sin is broken. And we are now in living in resurrection life. We live now our life unto Yeshua. So, Sin, generational sin, can be broken by the blood of Yeshua. But now let's look at verse 10. Sin upon the third and fourth generations of those who reject me, but showing kindness to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, what does it mean to love God? Is it just saying the words? Is it just attending church every week? Is it just singing a lot of nice worship songs? God defines for us what love, showing our love to him, is. He says, those who love me and keep my commandments. And in fact, what we've been reading in Second Chronicles chapter 4, as Solomon is building the temple, um, they refer to the ark being in the most holy place, the Holy of Holies. And what's inside the Ark is the Ten Commandments, and it's referred to as the Covenant. Why is that? Why are the Ten Commandments, the two stone tablets, referred to as the Covenant? Because it is a marriage covenant. When Moses brought the Ten Commandments down from Mount Sinai, basically this was a proposal, a wedding proposal to the people. Basically, Yeshua was saying to his people, the bride, will you marry me? Will you follow my commands? Will you marry me? Will you have intimacy with me? And when the people said, yes, we will obey your words, 
We will obey the Torah. We will obey the Ten Commandments. This was the I do on the part of the bride. So the, the Torah is a ketubah. It is a marriage covenant. So when we want to show love to Yeshua, we are to keep his commands. How? By the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Now in verse 15, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and Hashem your God freed you from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Now that's another remez hint. It's a hint referring to Yeshua. Yeshua is the mighty hand and the outstretched arm of the Father. He now sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Okay? And it's making a reference that remember that you were a slave in Egypt. Now, they literally were slaves living in Egypt. And literally, God delivered them and took them out of Egypt. Every one of us, we can identify with this picture that's being painted. Because every one of us, before we came to know Yeshua as our Savior and our Lord, we were slaves to sin. And if you look back on your own life and how you lived your life before you came to know Yeshua, you should be able to remember some of the sin that you were engaged in, that you were in bondage to. And none of us is perfect. We are all battling with sin. Even after we get saved, we still have areas of sin in our life that needs to get cleaned up and repented of. Now I want to jump into Romans 7. And in Romans 7, verse 4, So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law, the Torah, when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. So we are totally in identification with his death, and then we're in identification with his resurrection life. Now, the, what I want to zoom in on is in verse 6. But now we have been released from the law, the Torah, for we died to it, and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Paul is making a comparison and a contrast. What does it mean to follow or obey the letter of the law, and what does it mean to do it in the new way of living in the Spirit? In the old way, before I'm born again, before I have a heart of flesh, I might have a religious spirit. And I might be trying to follow the Torah in my own power and in my own strength. And maybe I'm raised in a family with parents that are taking me to church every week. And they're reading the scriptures to me, but I've not been born again. I don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. And so I go through the motions. And I do all the rituals and the routines and follow the rules kind of in a mechanical way. But my heart is still a heart of stone. And so what does that look like, trying to follow the Torah by the letter of the law? What does that look like? A Pharisee spirit, a judging, accusing spirit. Uh, I'm better than you because I go to church and you don't, because I read the Bible and you don't. 
um, you know, finding fault with others. That's the letter of the law. Now, what's the new way of living in the spirit? Well, that's where you get born again. And you ask Yeshua to come into your heart. And he takes out the heart of stone and he gives you a heart of flesh. And he begins to write his word upon your heart. And you follow his ways. You follow the Torah by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. The letter kills, but the the spirit gives life. There's times when, you know, what we really deserve is a kick in the butt. We deserve a consequence for the sin that we just did. But the Spirit gives life. So sometimes there's a time to apply grace. There's a time to apply forgiveness. And not to give somebody else what they deserve. But to show grace. Undeserved favor. And how do you know when to do that? Because the Holy Spirit will show you. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So when we follow the Torah and obey the Torah by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, it's always going to be that we are uplifting to others, encouraging others, loving others, serving others, building them up, leading them to the way, to Yeshua, to the Torah, to the tree of life in the center of the garden. So the Torah plays an important role. It reveals to us our sin. We read it and we become aware of our sin. And then we can repent. We can wash the soap, the dirt, off of our face with the soap. Who is Yeshua? We can ask him to cleanse our heart on the inside of the filth, the dirt, and the muck. Psalm 17, verses 3 and 4. You have tested my thoughts and examined my heart in the night. You have scrutinized me and found nothing wrong. I am determined not to sin in what I say. Let that be our prayer this day. I am determined not to sin in what I say. May that be our prayer. My steps have stayed on your path. I have not wavered from following you. Psalm 17, verse 5. Father, would you keep our steps on your path and help us not to waver from following you? And would you help each one of us to determine not to sin in what we say? We love you, Yeshua and help us to obey you and to richly treasure your word and your commands and your Torah. In Yeshua's name, amen. Yes,
Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>